True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in our Christmas series of 2021. In today's lesson, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at the gifts that the wise men gave. We'll look at six questions, who, what, when, where, why, and how, about these three gifts. As we look at these, we will see ultimately that these wise men, just like we should and others like the shepherds and Simeon have, should look to the Savior's birth with joy and comfort. And we should praise God and worship Christ as the Almighty God who was born as a baby in Bethlehem. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. All right, so open your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 2. We've been doing Christmas lessons uh, here recently, and by the title, you can probably tell that we're going to be talking about the wise men today. Uh, As I was studying this and looking at it, uh, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of cool stuff, uh, just digging into it, and there's some stuff that I was like, man, I, you know, I can't figure out exactly what this was or what, you know, we'll talk about it when or what, what, when this happened or where it happened or whatever. Uh, but the Word of God gives us a lot of information on the birth of Christ in Luke and in Matthew. And it's kind of cool when you start putting them all together. So today we're going to look at the six questions, who, what, when, where, why, and how of the gifts that the wise men brought. And we'll talk about that a little bit as we go through it. We're not going to do it in that order. We're going to talk about those six questions. And at the end, we're going to see the same thing that we've been seeing every week, is that the Christmas message should bring comfort and joy um, to us this season and throughout all seasons, right? Uh, But this time is a special time when we get to be able to celebrate the birth of Christ, and we get to celebrate it because of what He did 30, essentially 30, 33 years later when He died and He rose again, He paid for our sins, and He conquered death, and now anybody who believes in Him for eternal life, we get it, right? And so... Because of his death and resurrection, we get to celebrate his birth. What's up, Elliot? All right, so Matthew chapter two. We'll go ahead and read. Um, we'll go ahead and read like eighteen verses, probably. So stick with me as we go through it, and then we'll pray, and then we'll start in. It says now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, "Where is he who has been born king of the Jews?" For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written of the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means the least among the leaders of Judah, for... Out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and uh, determined from them the exact time that the star appeared. And he sent to them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went on their way, and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down on the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, 
they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for him, uh, for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and he took the child and his mother and they went while it was still night and they left to Egypt, or left for Egypt. Then he remained there until the death of Herod. And this was to fulfill what had been spoken to the Lord uh, through the prophet, Out of Egypt I call my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all the vicinity, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to become comforted because they were no more. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day you've uh, given to us. Help us to um, understand and learn from your word, the truth of your word, God, as we look at the account of the wise men. Uh, just help us to glorify you through uh, the truth of it. Uh, and help us to understand and help us to take joy and comfort in the fact that uh, you were willing to come and be born, become a man, uh, and eventually die and pay for our sins and rise again and conquer death. God, help us to take joy in that. Help us remember that as we're going throughout this season of uh, Christmas, God. We love you. and pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so talking about the wise men or the magi. Uh, and we're like I said, we're going to answer six questions. Who, what, when, where, why, how. And so the first one we're going to look at is the who. And it's who brought the gifts, okay, when we're talking about who. Okay, so obviously a gift is not a who. So it's who brought the gifts, okay? All right, and we know that they're... Magi, some of your translations might say wise men, some of them might say magi, that's what it is in verse 1. My version says magi. Uh, it says in the days of King Herod, the magi arrived from the east uh, in Jerusalem, saying, so they came from the east and these guys were wise men. Uh, so what does that word magi or wise men mean? Okay, when we study the word, I think wise man for us is a really good translation because it could have been people that were like versed in sacred writings. Okay, it could have been an astrologer or an astronomer. It could have been somebody that was really good at agriculture stuff. Um, it could have been people that were uh, advisors, and most of them were. So, like, you guys remember the story of Daniel? Like, Daniel winds in. So, like, he was an advisor. And, like, um, remember when, uh, I think it was Daniel or something. Daniel and Joseph both, I think, did this. But they, they interpreted dreams that saved like wise men or advisors, right? Uh, so all these people can't interpret the dream. Those people were advisors. Those would have been magi or wise men. It's like when Joseph would have been called magi. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know if Joseph would have been called that necessarily. Daniel would have for sure because he's a advisor. Because Joseph kind of interpreted the dream and then became second in command. So I don't know if they would have called him necessarily wise men as much as like a ruler at that point. Uh, but he would have been con probably considered one, right? Uh, magicians may have been considered like a wise man. So we don't know exactly what these wise men were. Or like, you know, are they agriculture guys? Are they sacred writing guys? It seems like some of them probably were sacred writing guys, right? Because um, they figured this out. And they were guys that came from the east. Okay, they came to Jerusalem. I have a map here. We're going to be looking at a lot of maps today. Okay, uh, for different reasons. So this is the area. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point on this one. <clears throat> I'm going to come over here. Okay, so... 
Herod the Great, okay, he's ruling when Jesus is born. All this green and this up here and all this all Herod the Great. This one is not. That's a Roman city-state, that pink area. Okay, so this is all of his territory. Jerusalem, okay, and Bethlehem, they're right down here. They're really close. Just for your instruction for later on, Nazareth way up here. Okay, that's where they traveled down to Bethlehem from. So that's kind of where they're at. So they came from the east, which is not the Mediterranean seaside, right? And so during Jesus' time, okay, I know there's a lot of math stuff, but I liked it. I liked studying it because all this math. So this area, right, is right here. The zoomed-in map is right there. Okay, and so these little dates right here, that's when Rome took these areas. So when Jesus was born, Rome didn't quite have all these outskirts over here. Okay, so when it says from the east, it could have even been somewhere like over in here in this Babylonian type territory, which I think I have a map of the Babylonian. Yeah, so you can kind of compare all these three. Again, this area right here, here's Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Okay, so Babylonian Empire was over here, so that was kind of over in that area. So Rome eventually takes that. But when Jesus is born, okay, Rome owns like all this right here, but not these outskirts. And so these wise men came from over here somewhere. And the interesting thing is, okay, before the Babylonians, you guys remember the Babylonian, or before the Romans, you remember the Babylonian like empire, how they came and they take out Israel? Okay, and they're all over here. So something that I thought of this week, and as I was studying and looked at, is that there was probably um, Jewish influences over here. Okay, because they were exported over here. So there were Jewish people over here. And there may have been Jews still over there. And this caravan, okay, which is a lot of people, which we'll kind of look at in a second, but this caravan of wise men may have had, even had Jews in it. We don't know. Okay, we, we just don't know any of that. We don't know exactly where they came from, what nation they came from. We don't know who they were, what nationality they were, if it was one nationality, if it was a lot of uh, different. We don't know any of that. All we know is that they came from that east somewhere. Okay, um, and it. It probably wasn't in the Arabian Desert, right? So it's probably further on than that. But we just don't know. Uh, so like I said, there's a lot of unknowns when we're talking about the wise men, but we know they came from that direction, and they traveled over here. And when they got there, um, it, says that, it says that the whole of Jerusalem was like in an uproar, right? Okay, so if we're reading, we're gonna read, we'll read one and keep going through uh, to get the context. But look for that as we go through, okay? So it says that these guys that came from the east in verse 1, um, and when they arrived to Jerusalem, they said, Where is he who is born, born king of the Jews? For they saw a star in the east. They come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, so they come from the east, they go to Herod. Herod hears that they're asking this question. He was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Okay, And Jerusalem's a pretty big city. Okay, So it's not three little, wise, three little visitors coming in probably. It's probably a pretty big caravan. Plus, if they're coming all that distance then it's probably a big caravan, right? So we think that there's quite a few people here, and there's some wise men in here following the star. We just don't know who they are, okay? We just don't know exactly who they are. We just know that they're Easterners, right? Um, and they could have been a different nationality. So they come from the East. That's who's bringing these gifts. The next thing is uh, where, okay? Where are the gifts brought? Okay, where are the gifts brought? And this is found in verse 1, verse 6. And uh, verse 11, well, the wares are. So in verse 1, they go to Jerusalem. We've already read that. If you keep going on, I'll start at verse 4, because that's where we stop, and we'll go to 6. It says, Gathering together all the chiefs, priests, and the scribes of the people, he, meaning Herod the Great, inquired of them 
where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for this is what has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, and by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler. He will shepherd my people Israel. Uh, and then we're going to keep going all the way to 11, okay? Because in 11, I think it, it has some bearing on where these gifts were brought. And I'll tell you why in a second. It says, Herod secretly called the Magi or the wise men and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Hey, go search for the child. Uh, for when you found him, report to me, and I want to come worship him as well. And then 9, after hearing the king, they went on their way, followed the star which appeared. So in the star which they had seen in the east and went on before them. And it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly great and had great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down on the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, uh, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they were warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, uh, for they left and went to their own country. And then in 13, it goes on to say how Joseph has the dream, and he's warned, and then uh, Herod comes and he kills all the babies in Bethlehem and the surrounding areas. Okay, so the natural place is Bethlehem that they go, right? Everybody reading that says Bethlehem. There's a lot of people that say it was Nazareth. Okay, and they say it was Nazareth uh, that they were in, and they say that because it says that they were in a house. Okay, now remember two weeks ago? When we talked, we talked about houses versus stables versus fields and mangers and all that stuff. And we said that a manger could be in a house, right? And so they could have been in a house the whole time, or they could have moved into a house later or anything like that, in a relative's house, I mean, later in uh, Bethlehem. But they're in some sort of house, and uh, I think it's in Bethlehem. Okay, Some people say, hey, these wise men that came to Bethlehem, he wasn't there, so they went all the way up to Nazareth, and they found him in the house there. Okay, that's what some people would say. Um, another reason, okay, as we go through and we look at this, what happens to Bethlehem? What does Herod do to Bethlehem? He kills all the babies, right? It's not not a trick question. He goes through and he has he orders that all the people under two are killed, right? That's what he orders. And he does that where? Bethlehem and the surrounding areas is what it says. Bethlehem and the vicinity around it. So all those little farmhouses and everything around Bethlehem is where it... So what does Joseph and Mary do? They go to Egypt. So if they're in Nazareth, which I don't think I have a map. So if they're in Nazareth, way up here, right? And he kills all the babies right in this little area. Why do they need to flee from Egypt up here? You know, if they're up here, why do they got to flee to Egypt? They're already a long way away from what he's doing. Right? But it says he kills them right in this area, so that's why they have to flee. And they flee uh, to Egypt. So, I think all the evidence goes to Bethlehem. So, yeah. It's almost like the fulfilling of the prophecy that they had seen about out of you, Bethlehem, whatever. Uh, yeah, and verse. They would find him there, since that's the prophecy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's where all the evidence lines up because Herod says, hey, go to Bethlehem. Okay, and hey, they're, they're, all the people say, hey, he's going to be in Bethlehem. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. And then, you know, they it, it just all points to Bethlehem. Part of the reason, and I, I don't have like this written down, but when I was studying it, part of the reason people say Nazareth because it's in Luke, okay, uh, and I think we'll talk about this a little bit in the when maybe, but in Luke, 
he Luke says, and when the time of the, or when Mary and Joseph had fulfilled the law in what they were supposed to do with the baby being born, when she was being born, they went to Nazareth. Okay, and he skips out on the whole Egypt thing. Okay, and we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about that next. Okay, but that's part of the reason they're like, well, he must have been in Nazareth then. And then he was in a house. But when you study the scripture and you look at it, as we did the other night in Luke, uh, that he was uh, you know, in a house and things like that, um, I think it was Bethlehem. Okay, and we're going to look at when next, which is interesting as well. When, okay? The short answer to this, too, is we don't know. Okay, there's a time period that we do know. Okay? And it's between basically like 40 days old and two years old. Okay, it's very unlikely that he was two. And he couldn't have been, and we're going to look at it, but he couldn't have been less than 40 days. Okay, um, and this is in verse 16. It's also in Luke, uh, which we read last week. Uh, but look at verse 16. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sentenced through all the male children who were in Bethlehem, all the vicinity, from two years old and under, according to the time that he had determined from the Magi. So, Basically, what that's saying is, hey, um, I, I think that because the star appeared at this time, that the child should be this old. That's what Herod's thinking. And so he kills everybody two and under. And so the reason we say he couldn't be older than two is because if Herod's got any common sense at all, he's not going to kill two and under if he thinks he's two or possibly three. Right? He's going to kill all the two and under if he thinks he's one to two years old. Or younger, right? He's just he's covering his bases. He wants to make sure he gets everybody, okay? Um, and so that's part of the reason. The reason he can't be forty, he can't be younger than forty days, is because in Luke, I'm gonna look up the, uh, I'm gonna look up the verse real quick. Let me find it real quick. I think it's Luke two thirty nine. Yeah, okay, right here. Okay, so Luke two thirty nine and forty. It says when they had performed many Mary and Joseph. Everything according to the law of the Lord. They returned to Galilee, their own city of Nazareth. The child continued to grow and become strong and increase in wisdom and grace. Uh, the grace of God was upon him. So they completed everything. Now, if you go back up in Luke, you see that part of what they had to do was they had to offer sacrifice for Jesus because they wanted to consecrate him. Okay? They didn't redeem him. They wanted to consecrate him. And when they did that, they offered two doves. Okay, which is what you were allowed to offer if you couldn't afford a lamb. Could they have afforded a lamb if they had the gifts from the wise men? Yeah. Easily, right? And so, we say that he's got to be 40 days old <coughs> because that's the time period in which they didn't, still didn't have money at 40 days. Right? And so, he's got to be at least 40 days old or else Mary would have offered a lamb instead of uh, the doves. Okay, so he's got to be 40. I have a timeline to kind of help us Look at it, okay? So zero days, Jesus' birth. I, don't, I didn't know how to put that, but zero days. Okay, so on day eight, he gets circumcised according to the law. Twelve. That's Leviticus 12.3. What is circumcision? Circumcision, it's just a ceremony that they had to do, that all Israel had to do. There's a covenant between God and Abraham, and it's a ceremony that they do on all males, okay? And so they do that at eight, years, eight days old for all males if you wanted to stay according to the law. Okay, and then at 40 days... They had the purification sacrifice, so the mother was considered unclean for a certain period of time, not because of sin, okay, just unclean. It wasn't, it didn't have nothing to do with sin. It was just because of the pregnancy and the birth, you're just considered unclean. 
And so they'd go and they'd offer these sacrifices at 40 days. And that's when she offered the, the doves. Okay, and then at 41 days she was considered clean. Okay, and so according to that, I mean the law, Leviticus, which Luke says they fulfilled and they carried out, then it had to have been 41, day 41 or after when these wise men came. Does that make sense? So he's day 41 to two years old. Okay, and then other people, okay, they say because of the Greek word, okay, there's a, the word child in Luke and the word child in Matthew. Okay, there's two different ones. Okay, if you go to Luke and you look at the word child when the angel's talking, it's like baby, okay? And it's, it's a different Greek word than is used in Matthew. And so they say that you're older, he's old, he must be older in Matthew because they use a different Greek word. But, okay, look at, if you look at Luke and you look at verse 17, chapter, chapter 2, verse 17, it says, When they had seen this, they made the statement which had been told about this child. That's the same word as the word in Matthew, Greek word. Um, and so he could have been very young in Matthew when the wise men came. Does that make sense to you guys? Kind of. I know I'm going into a lot of detail here, but I studied this out and it was so fun to study it. Okay, And just studying the word of God is cool because it starts like coming together. And like when I'm studying these wise men, okay, it's like all these times and dates, they start forming in your mind and you can actually see what's going on, right? And so these wise men come, and Jesus still has to be pretty young. And you start realizing that. And then you realize he's in a house somewhere. And then you realize, well, he has to be at least 40 days old. So you can kind of picture the, the, the little kid, right? And all this stuff starts coming and forming your mind. And it's pretty cool. Okay? And so we know all that. And so I have a map. Maybe this will help you guys a little bit. Okay? This is basically what we can surmise happen. Okay? They go from Nazareth to Bethlehem because of census, right? Yeah, okay, baby's born. Where is baby born? Bethlehem. Bethlehem, to fulfill the prophets. Okay, and by the way, all this stuff that's happening, God's sovereignty is controlling all of it so that all the uh, prophets are fulfilled. It's really cool. Okay, then they go up to Jerusalem on day 40, and they go back to Bethlehem. Then the wise men come to them in Bethlehem somehow at some point after that. Okay, then they flee to Egypt. And then eventually they go all the way back up to Nazareth once Herod's dead. Okay, so the, the Magi, you know, they arrived, the wise men arrived sometime between 40 days and 2 years old. Make sense? That's the win. Okay? Hopefully that wasn't too boring of a win, but I like studying it. So what about the what? Okay, the what? i got to get back to Matthew here. Matthew, uh, this is in verse 11 of Matthew chapter 2. After coming to the house, they saw a child with Mary's mother, and they fell down on the ground and worshipped him. Opening their treasures, uh, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we all know this part, uh, but it's pretty fun to look at. There are three gifts mentioned here, and uh, many a lot of people like symbolize the gifts or say like this gift means this, this gift means this. Uh, we're just going to look at like what the gifts were and what you know what it means. Just w- looking at context, and we're not going to like get into like, well, I think gold means that this, the wise men gave him frankincense because of this. Okay, we could do that, but we're not going to. So we'll look at each gift. First one's gold. I don't know if I have a slide for it. No. All right, so the first one's gold. Obviously, everybody likes gold, right? Uh, why do people like gold? Shiny. It's shiny, yeah. Why else? Yeah. It's valuable, right? So obviously, this is a valuable gift, uh, and it's a gift that they could use. Right, because before 
the wise men came, they couldn't even afford a lamb. Okay, with gold, can you afford a lamb? Yeah, yeah you can afford a lamb. And as we look at these gifts, by the way, we're going to look, go through them, and you're going to see God's sovereignty in the gifts too. Okay, so the other two were frankincense and myrrh. Okay, now there are essential oils for everything nowadays, right? And back then, just like now, there were frankincense and myrrh oils, and they came from resin of trees. And that's actually, I'm going to pass these around in a second. Don't spill them because they're really expensive. This one's like $100 for this little bottle, and this one's like $98 for this little bottle. Um, but, like, you can see this, like, it looks dirty on here, right? Yeah. My, my mom has a collection, a whole entire collection of oils. Yeah, yeah, and these are come from one of the, the I think these are Rachel's. So they have frankincense and myrrh, uh, or frankincense and myrrh, and these are what they, these were the gifts, okay? They may not have been oil, they may have been like the resin, right? Which is, that's what the resin looks like, the frankincense and myrrh, uh, it can kind of look like that right there. That's why this is all, this myrrh, like it all looks like it's dirty. It's like kind of turning back into resin, right? So you guys can pass these around and smell them, or whatever, look at them if you want, as we're going through, okay? And then, now they didn't have this, back then. But this is Egyptian gold oil. I just thought I'd show it to you. Okay, this is not the kind of gold they got. I'm not rich enough to have uh, one gold coin, but if I was, I would have brought it in here and showed it to you. But I, I don't have one because they're like, one ounce of gold is like, I don't know, what, $1,400 or something like that. So I didn't bring gold in and I didn't want to pass gold piece around anyway because one of you guys would slip it in your pocket. Uh, but gold is really valuable. Frankincense and myrrh during this time was actually more valuable than gold. And here's the cool thing. Especially, it was especially valuable in Egypt. Just think about that. Where did the family run? Egypt. Okay. But these were especially valuable in Egypt. Okay, so what are the things used for? What was frankincense used for? Okay, it's still used for a lot of stuff. Uh, but it's used for a lot of healing. Okay, like sores back in this day. Back in this day, this is what they use it for. Sores and lots of different diseases. They put it on their skin. It's really good for skin care. Um, they would ingest it as well. Uh, so the Egyptians used it in makeup. The Egyptians used it in perfume, insect repellent, and burial. You guys remember Egyptian mummies, right? So they had to use frankincense for that process, okay, which made it more valuable in Egypt. Okay, myrrh. Uh, myrrh was used for a lot of things too, a lot of health. They used it for oral stuff, so they'd swish around in their mouth like mouthwash. You can still do that today. It's supposed to be like good for your teeth and stuff. It's an anti-inflammatory, so like if you twist your ankle and start swelling up, they would put myrrh on it, okay? Because people twisted their ankles even back in the olden days, right? It's an antibacterial, which means if someone was getting sick, they might uh, put it in a little water and drink it. So it was used for a ton of things, especially in Egypt, and it was actually more valuable I don't know if it's by weight or what, because it's, you know, I don't know if it's by weight that it was more valuable, but I think it, by weight it was more valuable than gold, okay? Um, so basically, the point is not that it's more valuable, but just that all three of these things are very valuable, and I think the, the coolest point of all is that they were all very valuable in Egypt, specifically. Like, frankincense and myrrh were valuable across the globe at that point. But in Egypt, they were even more valuable. And it makes sense. I mean, mummies used both of them, and they did a lot of that. And just if they use it in their makeup and all that kind of stuff, it's just going to make it more valuable. And so, why would they give these three gifts? Okay? Those were, this is the what, this is the what still. But why would they give those three gifts? Because they were valuable in Egypt, right? 
Um, and that's, that's really what the next one is. It's a why. Okay? This is in verse 13 through 15. Okay, look at it. It says, Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take his child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. Where were frankincense and myrrh valuable? Egypt. Egypt. Okay, God is putting this whole thing together, guys. Like, when I was studying this, I was like, man, like God's sovereignty is so clear here. Like, it's so clear. And it's so, it's so cool. And I, I didn't even really talk about this, but even in the writings, like Matthew versus Luke, it's so interesting because Matthew, what is one of Matthew's main goals of writing? We've been, we went through it not that long ago. Does anybody remember? He's writing to show Jesus as who? The king. The king. Okay, he's writing to show that Jesus is the king. So, it would be important that the Magi came to him and presented him with gifts and worshipped him, which we'll talk about in a second. It would also be important that Herod the Great, who was essentially the king of that area, got mad because he thought there was another king, right? So, all that's important to Matthew telling how Jesus is the king. Okay, why did Luke write? Anybody remember? So, Jesus says... The, the man, right? And does anybody know who uh, Luke was writing to? He's writing to a guy named Theophilus. Okay? Theophilus. Yeah, everybody say it with me. Theophilus. Okay, it's a fun name to say. That's probably going to be the name of our next... I'm just kidding. Uh, so Theophilus, okay, is who he's writing to, which is this Roman dude, you know, and all this. And so when he's writing to him, he's writing to him to show he's a man, so he shows the birth story... But if he's writing kind of to a Roman culture and a Roman man or whatever, like, why put in the whole Herod thing? Right? You know, I don't know. It's just kind of these things that you think about. It's like, man, God kind of like just put everything in. And then when you look at Luke, uh, when it says he went, they fulfilled the law, and then he went and he grew up in Nazareth. Okay? He's showing Jesus as the man, so he wants to, he doesn't really care about that they fled to Egypt because he was the king. But what he cares about is that he grew up in Nazareth as a boy and became strong in the flesh. Like he was a human. Like he grew up somewhere. He was a child somewhere. He was a youth somewhere. You know what I mean? And then it tells a story of when he was 12 years old at the temple. So Luke is going through and showing, hey, he's a man. You know, he's the man God. It's just all cool. And it's cool how God just is sovereign over all that stuff. You know, as you look through this. Every prophecy fulfilled. It's just so cool. So, that was a side note. That was for free. All right, so the what? The gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, so why? Why did they give them to him? Did I already read 13 through 15, or did I only get halfway through? Look at verse 14. So Joseph, after he hears this from the angel, he got up and he took his child and the mother while it was still night. Okay, while it was still night. That's also another indication that they're still in Bethlehem, by the way. Because if they were in Nazareth, it would take a long time, you know, for... Uh, for them to get over there. So if they warned him they got to go early. they got to go quick. So while it was still night, they left for Egypt, and he remained there until the death of Herod. And this is to fulfill what had been spoken to the Lord, the prophet, out of Egypt I call my son. So why were these particular gifts given? I think it's just God's sovereignty. Okay, I think frankincense and myrrh were given because they are valuable in Egypt. And a family that could not afford a lamb could not afford to travel to Egypt. They probably spent a lot of their money just getting down to Bethlehem, right? And they're not going to be able to afford to go to Egypt. And yet, these three gifts were given that could allow them to flee to Egypt to fulfill all this prophecy. And it's just, I think it's all given within God's sovereignty is the point. 
Okay, why these gifts? I think it's I think it's God being sovereign and God showing that hey, I like He's taking care of them, right? Hey, I can I can take care of you no matter what. It probably sustained them until it did. It did a couple years in Egypt or whatever. Like they had to they had to eat, right? And they're in this new place and. You know, that's what it did. God is a provider, and He provided for them. Uh, and it's just really cool to see God's sovereignty, I think, in that. So then the last question, how? Okay, how, and this the how is, how or in what way were they presented? This is in verse 10 and 11. And I think this, this is the end. Like, this is what we should all see by the end of this, because we should be doing this as well. I'm going to start in verse 9. I'm going to do 9 through 11 just so we get the full context. So look at verse 9. It says, After hearing the king, the wise men hearing the king, they went on their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until they came to a place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And after coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground, and they worshipped him. Okay, we didn't talk about this in the who. But these guys were believers. Okay? They fell down and they worshipped him not as an earthly king because he wasn't an earthly king. Okay? And these guys knew it. Somehow, they knew that this was the Messiah, not just some king that's going to reign in the lower Jerusalem area. Okay? They knew he was God, which is really cool to me. And again, I don't know if that's because of Jewish influences over there because of the Babylonian export like we talked about. I don't know if it's because they were searchers of the Scripture and sacred writings and they had studied it out for themselves. We don't know all that, but we know that they knew He was God. And what did they do? They had great joy. In verse 10, they had great joy because of they were getting ready to see Him because of who they knew He was. And then they fell down on their faces and worshipped Him. Okay? They were joyful and they worshipped Him. They, really knew who, or they knew who Jesus really was. Um, and to me... This is what all of us should be doing as well, right? Like, we know who Jesus is. So we should have exceeding great joy because of what He's done. And we should worship Him because He's God. And as we go through this time, it's like this Christmas time, it's easy to get sidetracked on a lot of other stuff and just be like, yeah, we're celebrating Jesus. But like, it should, be great. It should bring us great joy. And like, it should cause us to worship Him because He, he is God, you know? Um, and then they give them gifts and out of sacrifice. Okay, they open their treasure boxes, and this is the end of verse eleven. And they presented him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which we already talked about what those were. Uh, but they sacrificed and gave him stuff. Okay, they gave out of worship and joy. This is the other thing I see of the how, like how and what way were they giving? They gave out of worship and joy. They were giving gifts because they knew who he was, and this can correlate to us, I think. Because in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says we're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And so, if we're to offer our bodies as a sacrifice, we should do that out of worship and joy. Alright? And I know it's like easier said than done. And you can't just like flip a, sh- flip a switch and be like, okay, I'm going to do all this out of worship and joy. But like if we renew our minds, again, I'm, I talk about renewing our minds all the time, but if we renew our minds on the fact that G- of the facts of what Jesus did and the facts of who He was, It'd be a lot easier to do things out of worship and joy. Because He is God, and He didn't have to come down and save us, right? Did He have to become a man? Well, 
Yes and no, right? He did after he promised he did, right? He, I mean, so he did have to in, in, after he promised, but he didn't have to promise that, you know. He didn't have to make, he could have, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, he could have said, see ya, destroyed them. Or he could have let them live their own life and said, forget you guys. But because of his character and his great love for us, he became a man and he died for our sins, paid for them, rose again, conquered death. And because of all, he could only do that because he's God, by the way. And because he did all that, we should have joy and we should worship him so we can renew our minds with that thought. Okay, the shepherds, Simeon, the wise men, all three of them had something in common. Well, two things in common. Okay, anybody want to take a stab at what they were? They all worship Jesus. They all worship him with great joy. They all worship Jesus with great joy. And all three of them did that because they knew who he really was. And all of us know who he really is. Okay, and. Um, you know, some people could have, like, in that day, I don't know, they could have, like, looked at him and said, he's this or that. He's going to save us from the Romans. He's going to help us with this physical problem. He's going to feed me, you know, like he does later on. Or he's going to heal me, and he's going to do this. But all three of these guys, the baby Jesus wasn't giving them anything. Right then. I mean, immediately. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't going to him to be healed. They weren't going to him to get something from him. They knew who he really was and what he eventually would do. Like he's a Messiah. He's a Savior. He's the crusher of the head. And so when we look back on the Scriptures, we can see it and we can know it. So let's worship him um, and let's have great joy. And that's the... Uh, I didn't even turn to the slide for all that, but that's what the, the impact is. Have joy, okay? Because you can decide to renew your mind with the truth. And when you know the truth and renew our mind with the truth, it doesn't bring anxiety, it doesn't bring fear, it doesn't bring depression, it doesn't bring anger. When we renew our mind with the truth, it brings joy and comfort, right? So let's do that this season. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. If you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us.